And welcome to the White Gray Black Weekly Manga Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all the latest and greatest ongoing manga releases. My name is Bruce, the producer of the White Gray Black YouTube channel. With me again this week is Gautam, the god of manga. What's up, fellas? Please keep in mind, for all major discussions, we will be talking spoilers this week. This means up to Dragon Ball Super Chapter 90, and then we are talking Jojo Land's Chapter 1. So, one of those pretty easy to catch up on. The other one has 45 years of history. Um, before we start, let me plug the YouTube channel. Uh, if you are listening to us on a podcast, we are live on the White Gray Black YouTube channel. And if you are watching us on that channel, or if you're watching us on the White Gray Black podcast channel, don't forget that we are also in podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a couple others that you can find us generically. Um, don't forget that if you enjoy this podcast and want to support us, head on over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash WGBmanga. We are desperately looking to upgrade and keep doing this, but of course, uh, difficult to do with with a day job and without any kind of support. So any 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 amount of monetary support you can give us is appreciated, or even just the eyes on our channel. Um, there will be a bonus episode going up on the Patreon coming up before the end of February, so you've got about a eight days left from today to get that done uh actually by the time you're listening to this you've got a little less than a week since uh if you're listening to it after the fact you're hearing this on thursday or friday uh now that we are through that let's start in with the news um the first big one let's start with this uh matsumoto reiji who is most well known for space battleship yamato Galaxy Express 999, and Captain Harlock. He has passed away at the age of 85. Uh, a big name in the space, not for more recent anime and manga, but definitely kind of in the uh, 70s and 80s. He was the a big cornerstone of the kind of space opera genre. Uh, yeah, I, I watched uh, all of Space Pir Pirate Captain Harlock, and... Uh, that was super influential. Uh, good series. It, it has aged, but it was a mm. uh, it was a fun watch. Um, also, Battleship Yamato had a remake, I believe, maybe six years ago. Seven. Years I think ago. Harlock did too. I think they remade both of those oh, pretty recently. I, I feel like they did. Yeah, one or both, because I've definitely heard about Space Battleship Yamato, and I'm pretty sure there was an. I, th I think it was a 3D Captain Harlock movie that came out. Um, and I I believe uh, and I'm gonna pass this off as a fact. Uh. But I believe in Fooly Cooly, the, the Pirate King Atomisk is uh, loosely based or inspired by Space Pirate Captain Harlock. Don't research that. It's true. I was going to look up real quick because uh, I was pretty sure there was a new Captain Harlock. Oh, I thought you were going to fact check me. There was a 2013 movie, so that feels 80, new to me. 85 is is a good age to live to. 85 is um, a good age, yeah. And from what I understand, he just died from... You know, heart failure, assumedly from old age. So, yeah, yeah. Not, nothing really unexpected. I don't think he had been, you know, creating or producing anything recently. But still uh, a big name in the industry. Uh, it's bleak to say, but considering h how kind of grindy and soul-crushy this industry is, uh, and how much blood, sweat, and tears people put into their work and all that stuff, you see so many people dying from overwork, that 85 is like a long-lived life so uh rest in peace but i'm sure 
I'm sure he lived a good life and uh, lived to a long age regardless. So good stuff on that end. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, not necessarily unexpected. No one, he wasn't planning on anything new, but just, you know, just loss of a big name in the, uh, in the industry. So we thought we would point it out. Uh, the next thing is kind of a conversation over here in the West that doesn't necessarily have to do with what's going on in Japan. The English translator of Cypher Academy, this is the Nisoyisin series that we've talked about previously, resigns from translating the series after 13 chapters. The 13th chapter will be out this upcoming Sunday, the 20, what will that be, 26th, 27th? Um, That's wild. 25th, 26th. Yeah, he's resigning. He just, he says he can't do it. This is not, um, I'm not going to call the person out by name just because it, it isn't super important. From what I understand, they have like 20 years in the industry. They're a pretty well-regarded translator. This isn't like some new guy who's like, oh, I can't take it. It's too much work for me. This is someone who's who's in the weeds, who's been doing this, and they pretty much say, I can't do it. I can't translate this series. And to be honest, I'm surprised they got this far because this series uh, is insane. Did you... Did, I know you, you dropped it like me, but uh, have you seen the translations for chapter 12? You'll understand exactly why they dropped it. I think series. I flipped through chapter 12. There were some walls of text, if I remember right. Or maybe yeah, it was 11, it was, but... It was this uh, Japanese word game, not Shiratori, but like a, a different Japanese word game. Yeah. Um, that was just impossible to translate. And uh, there were so many, like, if you, if any of you have read the series, um, it is about solving ciphers, uh, so a bunch of puzzles. And some of these are literally impossible to explain. And every single chapter has so many translator footnotes uh, explaining the context behind the puzzle, how the puzzle works, and just so the chapter makes sense to the audience. And yeah, like imagine, I, yeah, I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like imagine trying to, like a puzzle that has to do with swapping, like the letter C when it sounds like an S with an S which then makes a new word or swapping the letter C with the letter K when it sounds like a K and that makes a new word. Like trying to explain that to someone who doesn't use the 26 letter English alphabet is is pretty tough. And it's especially yeah. tough to do that in addition to like plot and story. Cuz yeah. usually I mean usually this is one of those things where um changing like a shiratori game up for instance. So shiratori is the is a Japanese game where Someone says a word that ends in a, I don't know what the actual official, it ends in a sound, right? The Japanese have all these little, there's like 50, what did we say? 58, 64 sounds. There's like all these little sounds, right? Like ka, ki, ko, you know, ru, ri, ro, etc. And you combine them all, right? And you get kashihiro. And that's, you know, four or five sounds put together. You say a word in shiratori and whatever word sound your word ends with has to be the first sound of the next word. And it's just a word game where you're connecting sounds and stuff. And to translate that into English is like kind of easy and you can just swap up what they're saying as long as the game doesn't matter. Or you can explain Shiratori pretty, pretty quickly in an author's note. I've seen that done before. Not a big deal. That's a children's game. And that took me, you know, it took me a, a minute or two to explain, and you kind of have to know, okay, the Japanese language doesn't work with letters, it works with these kind of uh, sounds, and each sound, there's sort of five, I think there's four or five vowel sounds, and then there's leading sounds, you combine those together in kind of a cross pattern, those are all of your sounds, so every word is is comprised of essentially one of these 50 or so sounds. Um, but again, that's a children's game, 
And what's going on in Cypher Academy is not children's game type translations. This is like, again, I think it was chapter one or two that used those 50, I think there's like 52 sounds maybe, and it like attached them to like the 50 prefectures of Japan. Again, something that if you're outside Japan, you don't know. And those prefectures have names which are made up of those 50 things. And it's, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm going to stop right there because it's already too much. And I, there's just no way to localize this series. And that's an issue for foreign, for foreign translations, at least. Uh, and not just the localization. Uh, the fact is that your CS example instantly confused me. Uh, when you started saying it, um, and I speak English, uh, <laughs> I I can't imagine even the general public would know or understand all these puzzles, let alone be invested in the puzzles because the puzzles are getting a lot of time. Comprehending the puzzles take a lot of time, and yeah. you kind of want to give those to the characters and the plot, you know. Say I, I don't know. I I, I like yeah. the concept of a cipher academy. I just. And I, I just don't, yeah. don't think it works. And I think, I mean, and to be honest, I feel like Nisoi Isin is a good person to write it. I, it feels like this series doesn't have an editor on it in, in a way that instead of it, I'm trying to think, it needs an editor who can say, okay, Nisoi, that's great. This needs to be over two chapters instead of all packed into one because no one gets it. I don't get it. You have to slow it down. It's not fun to not understand these games. But also, like, even saying that, right, like, a lot of people who are, you know, weebs, Japanophiles, people who know Japanese, the first, you know, six or seven chapters that we read, that I read before I dropped it, um, even some of them were like, yeah, this this isn't like a play along and try to solve the cipher before the end of the chapter type series. It's really just like it's really just Nisoi Isin flexing and saying this is look how cool this this wordplay is. I made an interesting wordplay thing. Look, it's cool. Uh it is the di- it's like the difference between a a murder mystery and a who done it, right? Those are those are in actually two different genres. You might think they're not. A murder mystery, you are not necessarily supposed to be able to figure out who did it before you're watching the story unfold. Um, and when it's revealed, you know, you may or may not have had the evidence beforehand to know what it was. In a whodunit, you are kind of supposed to make a guess in your mind. That's part of the fun of it, right? And Cypher Academy is not a whodunit of mysteries. It is a a murder mystery and you have no idea how to get to the end and it's revealed and you might go, Oh, cool. But I, I don't even know what to say about this series. I, yeah, I, I, I don't see, see, I, I don't think, uh, I, and you, you struck on a good point here, right? Because I, I think the best, my favorite murder mystery, and I watch a ton of old ones, new ones. I still like knives out. Uh, one of the best. Is a very good one. Yep. And the reason for that is because the detective, has a lot of luxury, but he the point I liked a lot is that you as the audience saw how he got to his conclusion. Yeah. And even if you couldn't get there yourself, it's a lot it you, you could parse the logic on how the case was solved. Mm-hmm. And I think in Cypher Academy, 
and, and Death Note does this really well. Sure, L and Light are super geniuses, and you're not, and I'm not, but I, I, I can figure out how they came to the conclusion they did. Um, in Cypher Academy, I can't, like, the puzzle is solved, but I, I'm still confused. I still don't, I don't know how the character got to that conclusion. I just know a conclusion was reached. And that is not satisfying at all. Yeah, and the uh, problem is that yeah. they are actually explaining how they got to that conclusion. It just doesn't make any sense because it's too much. It's just too complex. There's no way to understand it. It's either too Japanese, right? It's a cultural thing or a language thing that we'll just never get. Or they explain it and it's like, okay, yes, that does work. But how would anyone possibly ever know to make those connections? Or they're making leaps of logic or... yeah. yeah. I, I feel like Cypher Academy reading or translating Cypher Academy is like um, me going up to like a computer engineer and being like, I have 30 minutes. Uh, teach me how to code as well as you do. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. How are you supposed to explain that in a short amount of time? Yeah. Like, and the comparative is how are you supposed to explain this complex ass puzzle in a few words in the side note in 22 pages yeah. or yeah or exactly yeah in the side notes of 22 pages and i think you hit on the other big issue here which is that it isn't actually i don't think it is actually the challenge of translating it i think it is actually the the timing of it right from what i understand on release schedules is that i mean this is based solely kind of on like one piece leaks right one piece comes out like maybe wednesday that the fan translators get it out sometime Thursday, sometimes late Wednesday. Um, and then we get it Sunday officially. So that being said, let's assume that on Wednesday, this guy gets Cypher Academy to translate it. And he probably has to turn it in on Friday or Saturday for like a review and an upload and all that stuff, right? There's other people who have to do more work after the translator is done with it. Um, so you're telling me you want me to translate a series in two days which is more normal right that that can be done that's probably what all the series um or man for manga plus or uh shonen jump app or whatever they're all probably translated in two days but to translate something like cypher academy in two or three days with a review to not make you know to quote unquote not make any mistakes right you don't i mean the review people might say oh proofreading it's also probably really hard i can't imagine any part of this is easy and then you have to do it in such a short amount of time um the timing is really i think the part that probably is killing the author here my guess is if you gave the author nine days right if you gave him an extra week and two days to do it um it would probably be more manageable right they could take their time they could review it they could maybe find an english analog for some of the some of the games or just you know, figure out the best way to word the little additions on the side notes. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be perfect, but I think that the translator would feel more comfortable with more time to translate the series. Um, I put out a tweet earlier that simply just said, why don't you just delay, just take a week or two off from Cypher Academy in the West and then give the translator more a, a buffer and more time to translate it? Trust me, this is not something that's going to be snatched up by, by scandalation groups, by fan translations. They don't want. They don't want to touch this, uh, or it, and if they do, good luck to them. I also I don't think there's a demand for for them to delay it a week because I don't think even with 
good translations uh, uh, like we currently have cypher academy is not popular in the west right it, so i like, don't think it is popular in general but we will see yeah, i don't yeah. it's first volume i don't think is out yet i think it's coming soon um we'll have to see where the sales of all this list we'll talk about this a little bit later when we review the the shonen because cypher academy is part of that but yeah i agree with you if i would have i would be more disappointed by this uh, announcement of this translator leaving i'm more relieved for them i hope that they get to go on and do more things their translation on cypher academy was incredible for what it was i mm-hmm. i mean i cannot fault them for what for the translations they've done and i cannot fault them for not wanting to do it anymore it is understandable they put down i think some great work they, they macgyvered together a working product out of out of like hieroglyphics you know it's yeah. like uh, they, they did a good job yeah and all that being said uh cypher academy is not very good <laughs> so i also just like don't yeah i'm also just kind of like you know what uh, well, well let's let's circle back to that because we'll, we're yeah. going to talk about all, yeah, all we'll the circle back to that a little bit later but uh yeah yeah so let's let's do sales stuff real quick nothing too exciting some pretty standard stuff here uh my hero volume 37 up at the top with Closing in on half a million sales in about two weeks. Uh, yeah, My Hero pulls crazy numbers. Uh, the uh, Fable yeah. Second Contact, which is actually not something I have heard of, is up there uh, at number two with almost 100,000 in a week. Uh, this is Kodansha Seinen Drama Action. Yeah, I, I don't know much about this. I've not heard of the Second Contact. Hey, we're seeing Shikamori up here. Uh, two volumes of it. Yes, because Shikimori is ending. Endi- right? It ended, I guess, like this week, maybe a week ago. Um, yeah, but I'll call out my girl Arakawa up there at number three, Yomi no Sugai, about 70,000 yeah. in three days. Uh, yeah, that series is great. We, I've talked about it, I've talked it to death. Uh, yeah, it's good. And Japan knows it, and the West is stupid for not realizing it. Uh, mix. Oh, I, I, I saw that bottom left one uh, in, on our manga. It's the one where uh, it's like an office lady that lives with a giant cat. Is yes, that, I, yeah. I have seen this. I, I don't think I've read it, but I, I think I've seen this also. Yeah, yeah, that's it up looks... at number one. That's called uh, Dekiru Neku wa Kyomo Yu Yutsu. That's three, three U's in a row. I don't know if that's a Whoa. misspelling. I don't think it has to be because it's Yu Utsu. Are those I have no idea. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Someone I, from Japan, let us know, man. Yeah, I, I assume you can do three U's in a row, because there's what I know of the Japanese sounds. U is a sound, U is a sound alone, and then Utsu. Ut, and, or it would be Utsu? I don't know. That oh, might be language the contract. Anyways, do whatever you want. Yeah, and Japanese is a very, very different language. Um, What else here? MF Ghost. Apparently there is a popular car racing manga, which I didn't know about. Um. I, I'm kind of curious to check this out and see how it stacks up to uh, Initial D, kind of the the original most popular one. Does it stand for motherfucking? I, I don't know. It. I'm super curious. MF Ghost is a cool... I mean, that sounds like a rapper name, right? That sounds like a cool... Motherfucking Ghost. Yeah, yeah I love it. MF dude, dude, I, I'm going to I'm gonna steal the... I'm going to become a rapper, steal this fucking MF manga's Ghost. name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's fire. I love it. Uh, yeah, but rounding out the top 10 here, Blue Box... Uh, 10 days on sale, closing in on 100k. Blue Box is very popular. Mostly deserved. I think this is a really good series. Sakamoto Days at number 7. Again, 10 deserved. days on sale, closing in on 80k. Also deserved. Sakamoto Days is great. I'm super happy to see that it's uh, 
it's holding on strong. And once we get the anime later this year, it's going to be even bigger because I think Sakamoto Days is a great series. Even though I think the weakest part is the start, I think by the end of season one, we'll have some really good stuff in there. I actually, I, I really like the start um, because I, I kind of liked how uh, fun and slice of lifey it started. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, that's just me. Um, I don't think yeah, it overall, really, it didn't really make me go, wow, yes, this is cool until I want to say it was chapter four or five. They do that fight in the supermarket really early on with the drunk girl and Shin. And that, when I got there, I was like, okay, this is actually the most creative action I've ever seen, and I'm totally in. Before then, I thought it was a little... It I was okay, but... Fantastic. I thought the pilot chapter... The pilot chapter is very good. I've used... Um, I've used paneling from that first chapter to talk about action flow, because, yeah, the action flow at Sakamoto Days and everything... The action in Sakamoto Days is pretty quickly coming up on Murata, in my opinion. Uh... Murata's great, and he is more, he is I, less... I, I hate to say, I, I don't think it's there, but it, it's close. No, um, but it's there's a difference. I mean, we've ta- I think we talked about this before. Sakamoto Days has really creative fights, uh, and One Punch Man has some of that creativity, but not as much, but is sort of better drawn and paneled and everything. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it just, it's, a, it's a different kind of fun that is also really high quality. So. I, I will say, Sakamoto Days has the most creative fights and it's not even close you know yeah, it's like for sure no no manga author has more creative fights with good action paneling as sakamoto days you know yeah i mean just in this latest chapter the what was it he uses the like the handrail from it's a like train the, that has the little hanging down loops on it yeah, the thing the, people hold in trains. Yeah, the yeah. things you hold a train that's like on the handrail and they have little the little loops that hang down. And like the way that he uses the loops and the bar as a weapon, it's insane. It's the coolest thing. One of like every week I feel like I read Sakamoto Days and I'm like, that's the coolest idea I've ever seen for like cool action. It the only thing I can compare it to is Jackie Chan movies from the like seventies and eighties, right? All the cool, like the ladder fight, you know, is a really famous one. All these neat little uh, props. It's like it's a it's a kung fu prop manga is what Sakamoto Days is, and it's so good at it. This manga has the tavern brawler feat, where yep. everything is an improvised weapon. Improvised weapons. That's a yep D and D reference there. Yep. I I and I fucking love it for that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, right. uh, Shikimori, yeah, Shikimori ended this week. I think people know that it's happening, so those sales are going up. I don't. Is volume eighteen the last one? That's her in a wedding dress. I'd assume volume 18 might be the last one. Uh, I have no idea, but I, I have to assume so. Yeah, there might be one more volume. We might see it show up again. Um, but I think uh, I th- that's it for sales. Uh, yeah, what what you- else do we got? Uh, Noragami, speaking of series ending, uh, Noragami announced it is ending this year at the end of volume 27. That should be later this year. Noragami, I believe, is a monthly published thing. I've seen the two seasons of the anime. It's really good. I'd be curious to read the manga. I bet that it's pretty good. From what I understand, it's decently popular. Um, any opinion on Noragami? Uh, yeah, I watched like three episodes of the anime. I thought it ended like years and years ago. Um, so I'm surprised to see it ending now. I, it rained for a long time. Um, I didn't intentionally not finish the anime. I love Yato. Uh, I like his character design. I like his concept. That he's very goofy. Yeah, he's like a a broke god, but is secretly competent when he needs to be. 
uh i love that trope in general actually like uh the, like one of the strongest guys is just petty and lazy and kind of a, a, a garbage shit show until he needs to be useful and then he yeah, pops right. off like randomly it's kind um, of a it's another little twist on the sort of idiot savant character where it's their Dumb and useless in most ways, but really good at one thing. But yeah, I like Yato is very cool. Also, the if you're looking for really good anime openings, both seasons of Noragami have really good anime openings. Uh, and I think like you know, character design wise, you, you know how anime characters, Final Fantasy characters, they have a bunch of zippers and jeans and shit. Yeah, and there's just like a a certain aesthetic if you want to make your character cool in a certain series. I I think all characters that wear scarves are cool. Mm. Um, so if you want me to think your character is cool, but you're not very good at writing characters, just make them wear a scarf and be like, oh, oh they're wearing a scarf. Taupe. They might be a ninja. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I respect Yato and his scarf. Yeah. So Norgami, uh, we'll cover that later in the year when it ends and see... Probably top sales charts are, you know, not tops, but probably shows up on the top 10 for its final volume or two, so. Oh, it um, seems like one of, the, one of those series, like uh, Fire Force, where it's popular, but not, like, sales-toppingly popular. You right, know I mean? yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely does. It definitely kind of falls in that middling area where it sells enough to not be canceled, and it definitely, I think, is a... Uh, because yes. it's not Shueisha, right? So it's one of the smaller ones. I think it's Kodansha maybe publishes it, but... Yeah, it's like big like enough a, to not be canceled. Certainly pretty big. Healthy sales, not crazy sales. Yeah, right? yeah. Health, healthy sales, not not setting any records or anything. Um, Tower of God is back from a hiatus. Uh, second yeah. announcement, Tower of God back on hiatus probably in a week or two. Uh, yeah, the author, uh, I don't know if you, I've only read uh, his name or his tag. I don't know if it's Sui or S-U-I. But uh, either yeah. way, I think yeah, either yeah. way, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Tower of God's great. I'm glad for the fans of it i'm behind uh but i'm glad he's back from hiatus uh the dude has been sick throughout creating tower of god so he's gone on yeah. multiple breaks uh he used to do i don't know if he still does this but he used to do like an ending chapter like message where he writes about his life and uh, that guy's life is just like i'm in i'm in massive pain again today <laughs> uh this chapter is really hard it's like a lot of that kind of stuff and i'm like oof yikes uh yeah. So it sounds like he, a much needed break. Hopefully uh, him coming back from hiatus means he's feeling better and not because he needs to work again to live. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. man, it's wild to me that the owners and publishers, when a creator has these kind of health issues, they don't apply more pressure or re relieve more pressure by um, by simply saying like, let's find an artist who can draw something that makes you happy and let them do it. And you just take a break and just do the, you know, lower effort writing part or something like that. I think it's a, it's, it's a, like for the smaller people, like for tower of God, that's a very feasible. Thing I, I would think so. Yeah. Because it's huge, but I, I think smaller creators don't, smaller things that are up and coming. Don't get that shot. Uh, and I think things that are huge, uh, they have the Togashi mindset where it's like, this is my baby. I don't, if it, well, if it, if it burns, let it burn in my hands and not yeah. because of somebody else. And we've talked about and this I, and I, I think Togashi is wrong. I, to take I think stance. he's wrong too, but it, he created a thing that's massively popular. So I, and I have not. So 
yep. I can't empathize with that mindset fully. But I, I also think like swallow your pride, hand it off to someone else. People love you for your story, you know, not your art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I we'll yeah. see. I, I hope that they are okay. I know a lot of people that like Tower of God. I'm not one of them. I don't I there's a lot I didn't like about it. The art was okay. I read all of the first arc and I watched the first season. Season one um, art was just bad. Well, and the story was bad too, but we're not, I, I, I believe I, we have I had this diatribe it. before. We have talked about this in the past. Not, not on the pod, on the pod. Uh, I, I thought we had. We, we don't, we, uh, no, I don't think so, but we don't have to have this conversation now. Uh, Bruce doesn't like, it. I, I personally love it. I think it's probably one of the best Manwa. Um, right. Well, I mean, I haven't read enough Manwa to compare it. Of all the Manwa I've read, which is one season of Tower of God and Solo Leveling and one season of Solo Leveling. I don't you even know. Well, it's still going, so I have not read all of Solo Leveling. Um, is, I I have a question. I thought that was just an epilogue, but uh, maybe is it continue? Uh, okay, well, whatever. I think Let's it's a full continuation. Yeah, uh, I think it's I, a full continuation with a new artist. But yeah. Anyways, um, let's see. News: Tower of God. Kanokari Volume Three anime trailer is out. Let's go. Kanojo Akarimashu is so is so good. Which one is that? This is the one with Reiji Miyajima as the creator, the guy oh, who replaces oh, right. his wife with the girl with Chizuru. That's this. That's getting a season three. So that's so fucking. He is a meme. It it just cracks me up thinking about him. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of which, do we do we have our Reiji update? Uh, did, has he done anything? He has not done anything too wild recently. He drew. He's drawn some pictures of the main girl. I do not think that he has replaced his wife uh, anymore in any pictures. I'll go check his Twitter real quick, though. Nope. Season 3 announcement. Picture. Pop-up shop. Uh, cover for Volume 30. By the way, this series has been going on for, like, what is that? Six years, almost? A little over six years, maybe? Uh, all the girls in wedding dresses. Yeah, just classic. Classic ragey shit. Well... Folks, you heard it here first. Um, there are no wife replacements this week. We will keep you in the loop, though. So <laughs> if he does replace his wife in a picture or in real life, uh, you'll hear it here first. Actually, probably not, but you'll hear it here at some point. You'll hear it somewhere. Um, let's talk real quick about what we chose to talk, talk about this week. Um, I brought it here because... It's a chapter one, and it's a big chapter one. So uh, let's talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 9, JoJo Lands. Uh, did you read this chapter, Gautam? I'm actually halfway through it, um, but let's talk on it. It's wild and crazy and interesting. Um, I will say for a chapter one, which is supposed to kind of set up characters and get you invested and create some mystery and mystique, I thought this was great. Uh, now, I am halfway through part four in the anime, so I'm not fully caught up. My guess is that I might miss some things in this discussion or not be aware of some things that happen post part four. Um, if that's true, leave them in the comments and let me know. But yeah, I, I actually, I really liked this generally. It still has a little bit of the Araki stuff where I'm like, okay, why do that? Uh, it is an animal cruelty. This time it's it's someone getting felt up by a cop. Yeah, in a, that, that's in a, what awkward that's 
that's where I stopped. It was it, they they lingered on the rape for a really long time. It's or a like lot all, of pages. Almost, yeah, I, the essay. I, it's not. I am also not a fan of using sexual assault as a catalyst to make your character look good. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I that's well, just a it's trope I don't like. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing in art because I think it is fine to represent you know bad reprehensible acts in your art i also think it is totally fine as a reader to say i don't want that and i'm not going to read that so from from both sides it's kind of a it's kind of a standstill thing i will say that my least favorite part of the chapter was yes that they essentially represented the the bad guys in the scene right the cops in the scene uh, that they had to show that they were bad guys by using sexual assault that doesn't I don't like that. Um, is that a step up or down from the the sort of? I know that there has been like uh, violence towards kids is something Iraq has used. He's notorious for just killing animals left and right. Um, Iraqi is kind of. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, different people have different uh, different levels, different limits on those kinds of things. So, yeah, Iraq. I would say from what I've consumed, and again, that's not all of JoJo, Araki has always kind of had an, I won't say he's had an issue, he's always he's always been one to push the envelope to show that, yes, these bad guys are really bad, and I'm going to show them doing the worst thing that I can think to create right now. Because, um, yeah, like I mustache mean, twirling villains is, most of his villains are mustache twirling, um, and that's yeah. fine, because... Jojo is very direct and over the top. It is, anyway. and it's yeah. at least the parts that I've consumed. Yeah, they've been. It's pretty straightforward as far as who's good and who's bad. Um, but again, the way that he represents the people that are bad is not always the the most palatable. I guess I will say. Um, but Jodio, and then I can't remember his older sister brother's name. Um, they kind of swapped around on the gender pronouns there, so I don't know. But, uh, uh, I, I, Dra- I, I it was like Dragona, I- right? Dragonia, Dragona. Um, I love it. I love this guy's design, and I love his stand design. His stand um, is cool. Yeah, I'm used to like, oh, it'll be another. It looks like a dude in armor, but like, nope, this is like a weird okay. spider thing, and it like drips and flattens. Like, yeah, I, I'm super curious to know what their powers are because this the one of the coolest things about JoJo, I think, for me and for most people, is the um, the stand designs, the stand powers, the stand names. I think are really cool. Uh, obviously because you're getting kind of musical references, which often resonate with, with different things. Uh, I think the last panel I have here is, is the musical names, but yeah, I mean, in general, other than the sexual assault, which I didn't really like, I thought that, the it's super cool. You'll get there, but I'll just talk about it. The, mm-hmm. the Jojo here, like pushes drugs, like sells drugs. He's 15 years old and he like sells drugs to high school kids uh and he's been doing it since he was like 11 he's been like a drug runner it's a just a super interesting angle to take right it's not something you see every day it felt very much like um i think it's season three of the wire is the one that's about the like middle school and high school kids that are like part of the drug trade in baltimore it reminded me of that a lot just because of some of the stuff that happens but uh but yeah it's he he, like sells drugs to another guy at school (laughs) <laughs> he just does it. He just shows it like in the whole panel. He's 15 years old and he's like, oh yeah, I've been doing this since I was 11. They made me like walk a teddy bear full of money and cocaine across town and stuff. Uh, I like how, what a, what a shithead he is. Um, I, I think yeah. I, I like shithead characters, but he's so unabashedly kind of like single minded and accepting of his shittiness that uh, I'm into it. 
And I also I, I think his his stand is representative of him as a character in a way, because it's like if you look at uh uh, what, what was the third season guys? Uh, Joseph and Thirteen's Jotaro. Jotaro. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jotaro's stand looked like a human, and it was kind of like relatable. Like, yeah, not part four is the like, same. It's just like a human with hearts and stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a normal looking thing. This this stand looks like if if Miyazaki uh, made uh, a like a sci fi Bloodborne. This would be yeah. like an enemy creature. It looks like an eldritch robot. I mean, it looks like a bad guy's stand, right? Like, that's kind of what you're getting at, is that this doesn't look like a good guy's stand. This looks like a bad guy's stand. It's straight up freaky looking, and I love it. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, yeah, and in the end, they kind of get set up to do a heist. Um, as They have like a group of three already. It's it's, uh, Jojo and his sister or brother, I'm not sure. And then another one of their friends who all have powers. And then a fourth person who comes in who is someone that Jodio had issues with earlier. Um, but yeah, here are their stands. So uh, Jodio's, the the creepy stand we're talking about is called November Rain, which I think is a, I looked these up and I've forgotten now. Is that a... Is that a song? Or a band? I don't know. Guns N' Roses song. Yes, November Rain. Um, Smooth Operators is based on Smooth Operator, which I think was a like funk song maybe from the '90s, and then The Hustle, which is the night. Smooth Operator, yeah, 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 and then The Hustle, which is the the 1960s or 70s, the dance, um, which everybody knows. Anyways, but his his stand is also cool because he can just use his muscles to grab stuff and steal stuff. I also think Smooth Operators is pretty cool. If it's like you'll notice that they like like scratch on their. Uh, driver's license and it like changes stuff on the driver's license they like scratch on the license plate and it changes the numbers around and they start like scratching on the guy's ear and it like all of the stand is like pulling on his ear um it it's the most fun part of jojo right is the stands and their powers and how they work and how they react um everything else is kind of usually simple straightforward uh it yeah i mean it was fun i, I thought it was a good first chapter i'm gonna i'm gonna try to keep up with this one because yeah i mean this is the first part of JoJo that has started since JoJo has been in the, uh, like, sort of the main manga zeitgeist, I would say. Like, JoJo is more popular now than it's ever been. Um, and this is the last time, I think the last part started in, like, 2013 or something. It's been a long time since it started, so. For audio listeners, the smooth operators are, imagine four robot ducks. Except instead of eyes, they have headlights, and instead of wings, they have human arms, and instead of legs, they have tank treads. It's kind of like, do you ever play Hungry Hungry Hippos? Yeah. It's like, imagine you plop a Hungry Hungry Hippo on the top of a tank, and then they have, like, arms that are kind of creepy (laughs) and humanoid. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, the the design design. and visual, I think everyone acknowledges, even me, who I'm not, like, a huge JoJo fan, I think it's fine, it's not... It's not really written in a way that I enjoy because it is discovery written, right? He doesn't plan stuff out and kind of make this big connecting story. It's very kind of, what's going to happen next? I don't know. The author doesn't know until he writes it, which, again, that just doesn't jive with me as well as other types of stories. But I will not ever fault the visual design of JoJo, which is easily one of, if not the most unique and influential visually designed manga of the last 40 years i mean it's almost 40 years old now actually it's over 40 years old part one was published in like 88 so not quite 40 years been writing forever yeah really long time yeah so 
Cool. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, anything, right. else, anything else to say about Jojo lands? Uh, no, I, I'll finish it out. Um, finish out the first chapter, but, uh, it's, I, I mean, like it's good. So yep. After you get past sexual assault, it's great. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, so you want to talk about Dragon Ball Super, which I put on the other direction is. Yeah. So Dragon Ball Super unexpected one for me this week, uh, because I don't think Super is that good uh it's it's okay it's it's the same trope same plot points rehashed from dragon ball z yeah it is certainly Uh, not in the same discussion tier as dragon ball z like i the 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 reddit threads and upvotes and comments on it are you know mid to small compared to a lot of the other big stuff that that shows up so yeah it's like a relatively healthy discussion but it's like medium-sized um like it's not as big as any of the shonen stuff but uh yeah, the the issue with Super so far has been it's kind of been doing the same stuff where it's like uh they they fight a bigger villain every single time. Uh Goku and Vegeta get new power-ups. Same same thing we've always seen. Goku Is it uh, still Goku and Vegeta? They're the only ones who can do anything. They, is they're it the, the only ones Is it the same Goku and Vegeta from Dragon Ball yes. and Dragon Ball Z? Okay. I I yeah. I don't yeah. know the context of Super. Uh, I in, They're like 50 something in Super. Um, okay, okay. Uh, but they look the same because they're Saiyans. Uh, right, sure. I, I'll, I believe I, that. So uh, They're probably more than 50 because they spent so much time in the hyperbolic time chamber. But whatever. But, right. Goku is easily yeah. approaching like 7,000 at this point, right? He He's probably like 90, honestly. Like I he's probably that, that I thought, didn't he spend 100 years in one of the hyperbolic time chamber things, like if, training? If he did, I don't remember it. Maybe it was um, like a year, might, 10 years or something, but I don't know. He, he spent a long fucking time in there, though, training with yeah. Gohan. Um, either way... This, uh, the last two or three chapters of Super, even if you haven't read any Super, I think they're great chapters because they mix the fun parts of Dragon Ball, um, and Dragon Ball Z into like two or three chapters. It follows, uh, Goten and Trunks who have become the new Saiyan Mans, the Saiyan Man 1 and 2, uh, and they're f- just fighting street crime and going to high school and shit. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, this looks I, very... This looks less uh, wearing sort of like ninja Japanese fighting gear. And this he's literally just wearing like a high school uni- uh, Japanese high school uniform. I assume this yeah, is and, Goten, you said, right? Uh, yeah, this is Goten. And this is one of my favorite panels in the chapter because... It's like uh, it's very reminiscent of Goku riding the flying Nimbus as a kid. Yeah, uh, I mean, but now now it's Goten with playing like his uh, his switch and listening to music, uh, hitting up the flying Nimbus. It it feels like the perfect modern Dragon Ball chapter. Version. Yeah, because I've I've about. read only the first maybe twenty chapters of Dragon Ball, um, and this does feel very reminiscent of of Goku flying around kind of as a as a small child, uh, but yeah. as kind of a teenage modern version of it because. Back then, he was flying around, you know, some wild jungle without much technology around him, and now it's like, oh, yeah, and now stuff is, there's a market and technology, and yeah. So Yeah, it's really cool. And, you know, like, it's also reminiscent because it's like, you see Flying Nimbus a lot in Dragon Ball because Goku couldn't fly, mm. and when everyone could fly, they stopped using the Flying Nimbus, but this encapsulates exactly why you would use the flying nimbus even if it's slower <laughs> play the because, switch not watch where you're going yeah it's like you you don't have to it's like you can fly but maybe you don't want to you could just uh play your games and listen to music and someone else takes you there you know yeah uh and 
Yep, in this mini arc, there are new androids created by a new professor. Uh, the new professor is very goofy, and his motivations are very goofy. And so, and as such, so are the androids, who is just Elvis. Uh, I was going to say, this is android number seven, I assume, and it's literally, he's an Elvis impersonator, or he is Elvis? Yeah, yeah, and, and they're not strong androids. They're just, <laughs> they're just, like, compared to the Sands, they're just there. Yeah. Uh, and it's just hijinks, right? Uh, that's a new professor. Uh, he's, like, this whole chapter, like, Oh yeah, has it, it's all very goofy, very fun. There's like fun action, not serious action, and uh, yeah, it's, it feels like a complete return to form. Like this author knows how to do Dragon Ball. Clearly, a fan of Dragon Ball. Yeah. Do um, you think yeah. is it is it a return to a form that is how do I word this? Does it go too far back? Is this does this feel outdated because it goes because no. it feels like. 80s 90s dragon ball or does it feel still feel good the only outdated part of 80s 90s dragon ball in my opinion were the jokes because uh they don't age well in modern times and but i think the tone and the lighthearted attitude behind it still ages very well right yeah. it's it's a fun read and uh i think this captures it perfectly you're not you're you're not sweating you're not tense but you're having a good time with it yeah, and fun, yeah yeah. So if anyone any one of you liked Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z at any point, uh I would give I think it's the last three chapters. I'd I'd give those a read. Uh even if you have no context on Super. It's pretty it's a standalone like mini arc. And uh yeah, it, it, on the bottom left of that big dinosaur panel, uh that's Krillin. Uh he, he has Wait, in uh, the he's hat? A, Yeah, in the hat. <laughs> he's a police officer in Dragon Ball Super. That's funny. Uh yeah, he 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 pulls out his gun pretty readily. <laughs> what? That's hilarious. God. Yeah. He's, he isn't, he also has powers. Can't he throw a disc? Is that like his one thing is he can do the disc? Yeah. He has, he's the strongest human on the planet. Um, he, he's <laughs> literally stronger than Frieza like was. in the Nimic, weakest you know? person in Dragon Ball Z by a mile. He, he's the heart of the series, but yes, yeah. he is the weakest, but also he, he's like, Stronger than Frieza was on Namek, and Frieza could blow up Namek, uh, you know, like, Wait, uh, yeah. so, so, but the, it's all inconsistent bullshit because it's Dragon Ball. Uh, in yeah. the first few episodes of Super, Krillin was also a police officer, uh, and he, he got hurt by bullets, which makes no fucking sense at all. <laughs> it's like, you've been hit by energy blasts. Yeah, I, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z are maybe not single-handedly responsible for an entire subset of anime and manga fans the power scalers right uh, i don't the worst kind kind well, of people yeah i mean yeah that is not a that is not a pool of discussion that i like to dip my toes into ever um but yeah, Honestly, I, I don't the, think we have power scalers without the it's over 9000 meme without the you know super saiyan 4 super saiyan 5 super saiyan 6 ultra saiyan whatever fusion saiyan like if if dragon ball wasn't structured the way it was i don't think power scaling as a sort of sub community of manga and anime i don't think it comes around so thanks Dragon if you Ball. Have, if you've ever argued on twitter whether zoro or sanji are stronger you need to touch grass really <laughs> desperately I, i'll be real power scalers suck yeah th i mean having a discussion about who's strongest that's fine if those are the only conversations you're having yeah take a hard long look inside it yourself i think uh the discourse is, is just like painful to read because it's all circular oh, man, arguments. So they get I, really angry. Yeah, man, and the the 
the hard part is like I'm I'm in the Twitter manga and anime stuff, right? Like I'm I'm liking stuff, I'm having conversations about it. And the Twitter algorithm isn't quite smart enough to realize that, oh, this person said that they loved, you know, the writing in, in Urasawa's monster, or wow, Akane Banashi was really good this week. Yes, it was. Uh and I liked that tweet, and it goes, Hey, here's this guy's dog shit top ten power list from One Piece. You wanna see this? And I'm like, No, I don't. And I look at it. And the problem is even me, who I'm like, oh no, I don't want to, don't want to deal with power scaling, whatever. I see it and I look through the, t- I like read the top couple of things on the top ten, and I'm like, what is this guy smoking? This is so wrong. This is, I could tell him why I, he's so I, wrong. I, I, I don't, I do not yeah. participate. But in my mind, I'm thinking this person is an idiot, and I, I would fight with them online. Um, so, uh, in, in that way, I do kind of understand the power scalers because yeah, somebody puts, somebody goes to rank the One Piece people and says, I think the strongest person One Piece is, uh, I don't know, Mar- Marco? And you're like, what? How? What? Yeah. That's wrong. I, I, I saw but, I saw that list and they were like, Garp is third, but Blackbeard wasn't even on the list. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is like, I don't need to acknowledge this. Like, I'm just going to move oh, on with man. What was What was the one that I saw? It was like, oh, it was, I remember what it was. It was like ranking of the best swordsmen in One Piece. And I was like, oh, okay, nice. So it'll be like, guy, yeah. I... We're playing into it. I don't care. We're going to play into it a little bit. We're going to power scale for like three right. minutes. I, We're going to power scale for like three minutes. I'm like, okay. I'll go test swords for one piece. I, yeah, I'm going to take my dog for a walk when we're done with this. Like, okay, obviously what you're expecting to see is you're expecting probably Mihawk and then Zoro or maybe Mihawk, uh, Shank Zoro. And it was like, oh, Mihawk's number one. And then number two was like uh, Law. Was it number two? And I was like, wait, law? Really? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, but I, it's yeah. too much of that. Too much of that. Get off of the, get off of the power scaling. Yeah. But yeah, Dragon Ball Super, uh, pretty good. Check it out. Anything else to say on Super? Uh, nope. That's all I got. Cool. So let's get into our main discussion here. So the last block of Shonen releases, which came out about three or four months ago. Um, They're staggered kind of one a week. That grouping is... So there were four series, I believe, in that grouping. That was Ginkgo and Luna, uh, the Ichinose Family's Deadly Sins, Tokyo Demon Bride Story, and then uh, Cypher Academy. (laughs) No, hold on. One of those is wrong. Ginkgo and Luna started earlier, maybe, because I think the last one of those is Ichigoki's under control. Uh, the last but, one was Ichigoki, yeah. Yeah, Ichigoki is the last one. I think the I think Ginkgo and Luna is a little bit older because I know that. I think no, it was Demon on the, Bride. It was, Demon Bride was earlier. I don't know. Demon Bride and Ginkgo and Luna were a little earlier. Ginkgo Ginkgo came out in in November, I believe. With but it dropped at the same like they staggered everything similar like, one yeah. week apart. Yeah, because I think Ginkgo and Luna is on like chapter twenty. The Ichinose family's on like chapter thirteen. Cipher Academy's on chapter twelve now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and then we we, we tossed in um, Fabricant One Hundred, which is a Jump Plus series, which came out about the same time. I think we're about to hit chapter ten or eleven of that. Um, so this is kind of the the newest wave of shonen. So, what is your initial take on these as a whole? How do you as feel a whole? About it? Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, 
it's kind of expected, right? We we get a lot of middling series, and we get a few gems. And yeah, by a few gems, I mean Ichinose families, deadly sins. Yeah, that, and that that that's the only gem. That's the only one I would say is good. Good. And I also have a soft, a uh, big soft spot for Ginkka and Luna. Yeah, I I would say something that is encouraging for me, just looking at this block of series altogether, is that. They are, none of these read like a typical shonen, except maybe Fabricant, but even Fabricant, I think, is different enough yeah. an idea than a typical shonen. So, for instance, the block before this that had Dororon, Dororon, and um, what was the other Alien one? Alien Area. Yeah, Alien, uh, Aliens Aya- Era, Ayashimon. Ayashimon. All of those grouped together all felt so typically shown into me. Dororon especially and uh, Ayashimon were very just kind of stereotypical shonen. They were all, I, we talked about this uh, last week, they were all just kind of bleach copies. And looking at these, this setting, the only one that is even remotely a little bleach-like, right, or a little typical shonen-y, right, is Tokyo Demon Bride Story. But even that's... Like, it's more kind of romance slice of life, a lot more romance slice of life than it is an action series. So, yeah, I mean, in general, just to say, the diversity inside the shonen genre that we have of this grouping, even though I think most of them are not very good, uh, is good to see. I am I have spoken previously on how I feel that um, WSJ generally doesn't like spreading too much diversity uh in story types around but it looks like that might be changing so that might you know i might actually have been wrong on my take there um because i think this is pretty good i mean code cracking high school uh magical other world snowman guy some potential maybe time travel family mix-up story uh you know and then a slice of life with demons and a robot guy getting controlled slice of life comedy. Like those are, those are not all typical shonens, And I, I appreciate that. I'm seeing that. Uh, I, and you know, I, I, I hope we see more unique stuff because I think this is a symptom of all of the shonen shit. They pushed the release before getting axed pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, but this, a lot of stuff here got axed pretty fast, but I think that the hope is that Ichinose is successful. So uh, from that, maybe they, they branch out into different genres instead yeah. of uh, always, always sticking to the battle genre, you know? Yeah, and I wonder because, uh, like I said, the grouping before this was pretty typical, so I don't... It's possible they might do a cycle-type thing, right? They might be like, hmm. let's try to find the next... Uh, the you know let's try to find the next Jujutsu Kaisen in our you know spring-summer releases, and then after that, we'll try to find you know something different that'll stick. Um Rory Dragon might also need to be included here. That's also one I think feeds into the sort of slice of life diversity, very popular. Um, that kind of hasn't been running, so there's not much to say about it, but Rory Dragon came out in a similar time here. And I think a lot of these battle shonens, right? Like, um, those right, yeah. are much easier to write than something like Ichinose Family and usually run way longer. So I, I, I think if that's they catch why on, I... yeah. Right, if they catch on, exactly. Um, it's way easier to write a battle shown in like Bleach or or uh, Dororon, uh, and I think that's that's a good selling point to jump to keep putting that stuff out there and hoping one of them sticks. You know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and 
we talked about it last week uh, a lot more if you're have if you want to hear us chat about it but i do think that jump is pretty continually looking for the next bleach the next demon slayer the next jujutsu kaisen because those are their big money makers right like i don't know if it really matters how popular ichinose is even if it sells you know moves a lot of manga units um you aren't selling t-shirts you aren't selling uh figures you know you aren't selling two or three hundred dollar you know uh die cast statues of right. of the ichinose family's deadly sins but jujutsu kaisen you are selling those types of things so um you know, Jump, I think, is very interested in finding the next uh, big sort of action battle shonen thing because that, the the cross-sell... Yeah, yeah. The, there you go. That's the word I'm looking for. The merchandise angle of the money they make from that and the licensing of using it for advertisements inside Japan and outside, um, that is appealing. And I don't think they will ever stop looking for that. Uh, this is what I talked about last week, but right, but I don't think they'll ever stop looking for the next Bleach clone the next Naruto, the next One Piece, although there isn't really ever going to be a next One Piece. There will just always be One Piece. Uh, yeah, none of you, you are... We, we're right that none of these are that. These are all not the next Bleach. Um, these are something different, so... Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a good point. Like, the Pokemon Company, for example, the biggest IP in the world, uh, it games make up a smaller fraction it's like a, a small fraction of their overall profits. It's all merch. Yeah, know? all it's all merch. And I, my and, guess is stuff like uh, I know the stuff like Evangelion. Um, I heard on I don't remember was it the Yard podcast? One of the podcasts is visiting Japan. They're talking about how yeah. you know you don't see you know Evangelion branded ramen in the states. You don't see Evangelion you know bank advertisements, but in Japan it's everywhere. So you know my guess is Evangelion is is popular, uh, but you know, there there is a manga for that that was published, I think, after the anime, and I'm sure the anime Blu-rays and movie Blu-rays sell well. My guess is Evangelion is mainly popular because of merchandising and advertisement. So, yeah, all, all that to say that that's what that's what WSJ is looking for from a business standpoint is they are looking for advertising and merchandising. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think any of these series are going to be that maybe fabricant. Um, of uh, all of these, I, I don't. I don't think so. But like, I don't I, think so because it's not very good. So Ginka and Luna is the only one with the potential to have like merchandising ops, in my opinion. Yeah, because Ginka is a, literally a plush. Uh, and yeah, I, I. The only point I disagree with you on is that uh, Ichinose's performance isn't important. Um, I think it exists in the same space as a show like Breaking Bad, for example, mm. uh, where you're you're not going to merchandise it uh, because like nobody like, or at least not as much as something like a Marvel show that's on Disney plus, right? You're no, one's going to buy a Walter white figure in the same way. They're going to buy a, an Iron Man figure. True. Uh, but it exists in the space where it gets views uh, and jump sells copies. And it's also like an award-winning space, you know, like where I do. Yeah. I was going to hit that. If you did a claim, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, a this is an awards bait series. Even though and, yeah. it, and it's that's not a really a negative context because um Tizen 5's last series, Takapi's Original Sin, won a lot of awards and was really good. And this one is very similar vibes and is also really good. So 
let's go through just one by one here and talk about how let's we're feeling. Um, let's start with the one that we've already discussed a little bit. Let's start with Cypher. Um, anything else to say on Cypher? It's not very good. That's really the thing about it is that mm-hmm. to me, if the puzzles were really cool to solve and it had kind of an okay skeleton of story and character underneath it, I would say like, okay, cool. You know, maybe, maybe there's an angle to it. I think the problem is I don't really like any of the, I didn't really like any of the characters because I dropped this maybe three or four weeks ago. The puzzles are incomprehensible, like we said. So there's like, what is the, there's no positive parts of this series, you know, like maybe the characters are okay. No, but they're not good enough. I mean, they just are compared to some of the other stuff, especially in, even in this grouping, right? Like I would even say, I read the most recent chapter of Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Bride Story, Tokyo Demon Bride Story, um, and I haven't read that since chapter maybe three, and I still was like, oh yeah, these characters were fun, I remember, and it had some good stuff, and I think it was clearly leading to an ending, but um, even that, I would say, like, yes, these are, you know, fun characters, cute characters, whatever, and I don't, yeah, I love Niso Isin, I... I there there will be a I'll put a clip together sometime of me just gushing over how much I was ready for Cipher Academy and how much I love Nisoisin and oh, Bakemon tra- Guitar. And then this comes out and it's like yeah. ah, it's not very good. It's pretty bad. Um but yeah, anything else to say about Cipher Academy? Uh yeah, I, I so we covered a lot of it when we were talking about the editing process. Um the the puzzles are incomprehensible and they take up so much time in a chapter that could be used on character stuff and the uh issue is that i have and we mentioned this before i and to preface i like bruce i've also dropped it like five weeks ago uh it is the main character didn't really have agency so even like we couldn't come to the uh understand the conclusion of each puzzle like we mentioned but also on top of that the onus behind the main character's powers is that the glasses help the main character solve these puzzles because they're uh, super smartphone glasses. Um, and the glasses solving the problem for the main character takes away a lot of agency, if yeah. that's the right word. It, like, it is. That's a that, And it's a very solid point. In, I mean, yeah. even something like My Hero, right? Deku gets an overpowered power at the start, but he has to learn how to use it. The glasses in Cypher Academy, there's no learning involved. There's no harnessing the power. It's, you're right. It, it completely takes away the character's agency and just says, if I have the glasses and they are powered up and I look at the puzzle, it solves it for me or it helps me solve it. Um, and, yeah. and my second, compl- and that that's big, right? Like on top of, if you stack it on top of the problems we already mm-hmm. have, that's, right, that's yeah. a big issue. But another issue, like an even bigger issue, in my opinion, that I had uh, from the first like five chapters or seven, six chapters I read is that the like and even rookie writers know how to do this, which is why it's bizarre. And I don't understand how this happened is I don't know what the main character's motivations are because I don't think the main character knows. Like the first chapter is like, I don't know why I'm at this school. Everyone's so smart. I just want to go to school. It's like that. It's like, what are your? Why are you solving these puzzles? What's your motivation? Like, they have none. At least up to where I read, they had no motivation to be where they are and to be solving these puzzles. Uh, Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's a big. I agree. That's a big sin. Um, 
I mean, you should leave the end of chapter one, I would say, especially of manga, at the latest, the end of the first volume, which is about what I read up to, and be able to say, okay, you know, I know what the main character wants or is going after or what their goal is, what their motivation is, and I do not know. There is a little... They, yeah, they just didn't do a good job of it. Um, There's a little bit of an angle of like, well, maybe they want to stop war, but that's not, but not really an important enough angle to, to really get into. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's just a slew of problems with this series. The main character didn't even mention, like, I want to stop war. Like that was a different uh, antagonist in the series. It's like like, offering up, would you like to stop all the war? And the main character goes, yes, I'm a good person. I would like to stop all war. I will take that motivation. Sure. For a chapter or two. Insane. Yeah, I mean, just just a slew of problems with this. Uh, I don't know. It's weird because I think if I had to if I had to put forward an anime I've seen with some of, if not the best character writing, I would put the Monogatari series up there. Um, it's undoubtedly top five, probably top three, and very likely top one for me as far as good character writing, character establishment. So I don't know what's going on with this i wonder part of me wonders if this series is nisui isin writing the puzzles and having a bit of fun and maybe the artist is the other author on it and they're writing the rest of it or uh, i don't uh, think i think it's his fault it could uh, again it could just be an editing thing of just they're letting nisui isin get away with whatever or he's you know i, I think he might just not it. care about anything except for writing the, the puzzles which kind of does sound like a little bit more like him but yeah i i I, I place it's the problem is like you're like you're a rookie editor for example right Mm. you're a rookie editor or you've been in editing for two years and you have to work with a legend of industry it's hard to give feedback or say hey i don't like if i was in an editor's shoes right and i'm working with this titan of industry and i said i don't understand these puzzles this isn't good reading it could also I could also think in my own mind, it's like maybe I'm just too stupid to get this. Yeah, and true. other people understand his writing better. He's done so well after all, you know? So I I don't know. Uh and Japan has a huge respect culture, so you can't flat out say, Hey, this is bad. Uh, this is shit. Uh especially to someone who's way more famous than you and who's put out like huge series like the uh Monogatari series. So I don't know, maybe that's the issue. Same thing happened with Kishimoto on what is it, Samurai eight? So, mm, yeah 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 uh so either way that that uh, that's my thought on cypher uh anything else on cypher i end it quickly let nisoyasin move on to something else uh yeah <laughs> that's about that's about all i've got to say on that one um let's let's get the let's get the trash out of the way first um okay ichigo yeah, sure. he's under control I have nothing to say aside from the first chapter was incredibly unfunny. I Um, had heard people say like, oh, this chapter was pretty good. And I went and I tried and I cannot. I will say if it would not surprise me if this one ends up surviving for a little bit because gag manga kind of run on a little bit of a different different steam there. But yeah, this one's just not very good. (laughs) I don't want to read it and I have not been. So yeah, I... I don't know. It's like if you eat microwave meals your whole life and then you go to like a an okay restaurant, it might taste like the best thing in the world. 
I feel like people have adjusted their expectations to think it's shit after the first chapter. So anything remotely entertaining, right? Yeah, it's like it's like good in comparison, you know. That's yeah, yeah. that's a good point there for sure. Um, uh, but I, I I might just be a hater. I haven't read anything past the first chapter, so I think I read two or three, and it's um it's just not for me. Um, comedy is harder to do than drama, in my opinion. And this one, I mean, even that being said, I don't think it's very good. Um, yeah. What about Tokyo Demon Bride story? This is one again that I read maybe three or four chapters of and was kind of like, this one has a different problem. Instead of like Cypher and Shigoki of it just having a lot of problems, it's just kind of boring. Um, and I think I read the most recent chapter of it because I was like, I'm going to check it out. We're going to talk about it on the podcast. Um, it's just kind of boring. So I don't, uh, it feels like it is getting canceled it it the chapter i read felt like it was leading towards an ending in you know a month or two uh yeah anything to say about tokyo demon bride story i i promise i have more to say on the others but i actually have nothing to say on this one i've only read chapter one and i thought it was yeah. also boring i thought it was generic uh chapter one and i feel like i've seen every part of this manga before somewhere it's, else yeah it's it's kind of uh, hobbled together, you know, the sort of group living housing idea, which has been done, which has been done to death and is still getting done. Plus the kind of demon girl crossover thing. Um, nothing new under the sun, but this is pretty unoriginal. Main characters, pretty generically good, nice guy. Um, I do think this is, it's not bad enough. Uh, man, what do I say? The author's next work I will I will pay attention to because I think it is entirely possible that a series like this leads into something better. Um, and I again, like I said, I think a series just being boring mm. is a problem with the ideas of the author and not well. It's the ideas and the execution, and I think they're both uh, just mediocre here. And I think if they have a better idea, they might have a chance at better execution. Um, the art in this is fine. I don't really have any problem with it. Uh, it's all just kind of so middling that it doesn't stand out, and I don't think it's standing out for anyone. And it isn't like it isn't cute enough. Doesn't really have action. Doesn't have much going on. So, and uh, yeah, co cohabitating with like monsters, it's just it, it felt like the first chapter felt like an uh, a generic brand ripoff. It's just of, it, it um, felt Jitsuwa like Watashiwa, which was popular back in the day, mm -hmm. uh, twenty thirteen, maybe early two thousands. Uh, it's it's basically just a dude living with monster girl uh and yeah and the very, mom, I mean, yeah. except it was actually very funny uh I, you would recognize it bruce if you if you saw i think uh, i and, i think i understood that yeah yeah it was pretty big back in the day and it was actually genuinely funny uh but either way this i i first chapter didn't catch me so i i kind of dropped it yeah, it's just not very good. So let's talk about the ones that we're more actively reading. We'll start at yeah. the, what I consider the bottom and go up. Fabricant 100. I dropped this two or three weeks ago. Um, again, to me, it's this one is a little bit improved of the others, as I think it's an interesting idea, right? Um, it's an interesting idea to kind of have constructed artificial humans, and there's a hundred of them, and the 100 one is the strongest, and that one's following this boy around. Um, it has cool ideas. This one, again, just kind of strikes me as mediocre. It has a lot of kind of storytelling issues. I don't love that the 
main character is a kid. I feel like if the main character was aged up just a couple of years, it would be more interesting. Um, it's very kind of shonen tropey. Even when it tries to break tropes, it kind of doesn't. Um, it's like a little bit more violent and kind of intense, but uh, yeah, it just, it's, this one just does not, comes maybe close, but doesn't quite cross the threshold to be good enough for me to keep reading. So it isn't necessarily bad. It is definitely not as bad, I think, as the other three we've talked about. Um, but it's also just not quite good enough for me to keep reading, I would say. Uh, yeah, I, I'm up to date on Fabricant. Um, I think if someone described the premise of Fabricant to me, I would I would think I would like it, you know? Like, I I think the, the concept behind Fabricant is better than Fabricant itself. Uh, yes, I would agree with that. And I, I thought I liked the first chapter a lot. Uh, I, I said so when we had our, our pod episode when all, all the shit came out. But um, I like the first episode or first chapter of Fabricant. I think the last two have been boring. Uh, and I, they're doing a lot of episodic stuff, but that's really not... It's going slowly. The episodic stuff is not working too well. I, I feel like it's it's kind of treading water when it should be getting... It, and it, 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 to be fair, it is doing like the storytelling concept I like, the Blade Runner shit of uh, what does it mean to be human? Do androids dream of electric sheep kind of thing? But right, and I'm gonna it, I'll I'll hit on that a little bit later when I talk about Pluto because you, that's a series that does it um, well better than anything I've ever read probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, they're always interesting questions, right? Every I'll mention this again when we talk about Pluto, but every story about robots is actually just a question of what does it mean to be human? Um, and, and that's, you know, always an interesting angle to explore. Lots of people come to lots of different conclusions. It, yeah. It's a very interesting conversation to have, and we've been having it for almost 100 years at this point, really. Um, Nier Automata does it better than anything. Nier Automata is uh, a very good version. I read Pluto and come back to me with that with that take, I would say. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, this one is, like I said, it's just kind of, it's okay. I think it is probably the the top of these lower four. Uh, it just still isn't quite good enough for me to want to waste 10 minutes a week on it, you know, which seems like a low bar, but it's also like, uh, it's also like, you know, what I, it's just not, yeah, not worth my time. There's so much good shit out there that even if it's just okay, it's probably not worth your time, right? So I get it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's let's go with the two good ones. We'll work our way up. Of uh, we'll we'll finish with the one that's not going to get canceled. So let's talk about Ginka and Luna. Yeah, that 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 is seeing an axe one hundred percent. Sold oh, terribly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I like really it. Did I, so good. I like Ginka and Luna. I also think it has the best volume cover of any of them here. Uh, it is. Yeah, I I mean the art in it is one of the one of the parts that it just does really well. So. Uh, I, I, I think Ginka and Luna is a highly flawed series that is charming, and I like it, but it's going away, and I hope that author uh, does something good. I do, th yeah. Again, like we talked about with uh, Demon Bride Story, this is one where the next thing that this author does, I will be paying a lot of attention to, because this, mm -hmm. for a first attempt, was, in my opinion, I... I, it's, I have a hard time saying excellent because like we've kind of discussed in the past and like we'll talk about here, Geek and Luna has a lot of issues and there are a lot of kind of really minor issues. 
they are the kinds of things that I think are easily fixed with a reset, a restart, a different idea, a different editor. Lots of these really minor issues with minor changes like pacing being too fast or too slow at times. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I, I like the art in Ginkka and Luna. I think I like the, the ideas, yeah. I love the characters. Yeah, Ginkka and Luna themselves are the two best characters in the series, and that's, it's always a good thing when your two leads are the two most interesting people you want to see on screen. Um, the side characters, I also think, are pretty good. The The magic ideas and combat is pretty cool, pretty dark at times. Pretty interesting world. I like that it's not, doesn't just take place in Japan or a modern day version of Japan. Uh, of all of these on screen, what, four of the six take place in some version of Japan. So anything that doesn't take place in just a modern version of Japan, I'm always, I'm always in support of, um, cool high fantasy setting that isn't, uh, final fantasy or video gamey like it often is in manga. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, this one is, is readable week to week for me because it is exciting and different and stand out enough. But I completely understand why people did not keep reading this. I completely understand why you would drop this. Um, it just has some really, like, it has some really rough edges and a really solid skeleton in it, I think. Um, and which, yeah, like yeah. I said, I think the next thing this author does will hopefully be a hit if they kind of clean up those rough edges, even just a little bit, even if it's not perfect. Um, if they come back with another cool idea and they're good, interesting art, and their creative world building, and their appealing characters. Uh, this is great. So, and, and there's a reason why they got into Jump in the first place. And out of all of these, uh, I think I think it shows, right? I, yeah. I think this one shows it the most because I feel like Ichinose and Cipher had their names already big before they got into Jump, but the, right, yeah. the rest are picked on merit or their their pilot. And I think this one, I feel like represented. Uh, of all the new ones, classic jump the most uh, in in terms of the vibe and feel they were going for, and did a good job at it in my eyes. So I think yeah. fix fix your flaws, fix your uh, minor issues like pacing, uh, whatever. Mostly pacing. Fix your pacing. It's and mostly a pacing issue. Yeah. Of this this uh, series is only twenty one chapters in or something, and I could swear to God we've been through how many story arcs have we been through in twenty chapters? Like seven? Like five. Yeah, yeah like a, a lot. lot. There a lot of stuff has happened in that many chapters. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, um do you think this do you think any of these, instead of canceling, could get a swap to jump plus? Now Fabricant One Hundred's already on Jump Plus, so we'll exclude that, but of the sort of no. four of the five that are up here to get canceled, um, any of those you think will survive on Jump Plus? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any of them are worth pushing. Like, if I, even though I like and I'm biased towards Ginkka and Luna, if I was mm -hmm. a Jump executive that had to make this decision, I'd say no way. None of them are lost. Yeah. Yeah. I, unless someone up at the top, one of the money makers, was in love with the series enough to give it another shot. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think anything I think in we we did this a little bit in our prediction uh our prediction stream from late last year, so a couple two months ago. Um it looks I think Cypher's on the way out. Ichigoki I think makes it maybe three or four more months. Uh Tokyo Demon Bride story looks like it's on its way out. 
Inca and Luna looks like it's on its way out. Uh, Fabricants on Jump Plus, so those are a little bit different. And we don't have Volume 1 sales yet for that series, I don't believe. Um, I also don't think we have Volume 1 sales for Ichigoki. When we get those, we'll see. My prediction is they aren't going to be very good. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, if we were to check back in on these in, let's see, it is February. If we were to check back in on these in June or July, I my guess is none of them are running. With the exception yep. of uh, the Ichinosi family's Deadly Sins. So let's talk about that one, because that is clearly... That my, I don't know if you remember, but that was actually my prediction uh, mm-hmm. from the prediction episode. Uh, except I, I said I revised it last minute, uh, and I said actually everything except Ichinose and Ginka and Luna because I believe in it. And yeah. uh, shame on me, shame, shame on. Uh, well, no, you, you know what? I, I, I do. I do it again. I, if, if I remember right, your prediction was everything from last year gets canceled. I had to remind you that Akane Banashi started last year, and so you had to well, update it to well, say. Well, you know, you you know what I meant. Yeah, you know what I meant. Uh, but no, no, if, no way Akane ever gets canceled, bro. Not at this point. No, Akane is a, a golden child for sure. So let's talk about um, the Ichinose family's deadly sins. This series started for me really good and felt like it was going to be really dramatic and emotional. And it has taken a sci-fi Nolan-esque memento type twist that I did not see coming and has made it even better, I think. Um, I'd agree. Yeah. yeah. I, it's incredibly compelling. And even though we... we I I think both of us saw some kind of twist coming because of how many like setups they did in the first chapter, mm, like lots of foreshadowing, separate, separate rooms, like yeah, so many weird little small things that I won't list out. Um, but this is a very interesting way to go about it because I I still at this point, even after the twist and the reveal, I still can't parse fully with confidence what is happening. And uh, Bruce and I were talking about it. It I, I think this feels like either a time loop. Uh, where there, or, or it's like a Truman Show esque situation. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. I. Uh, either way, very compelling stuff. So, w- what would you say? Uh, your favorite part about Ichinose is. I mean, it's one of those things that's almost so good. It's hard to pin down why it's so good. Uh. I am generally a character focused reader right the thing that i really like is really good character development and i'm less concerned about plot that being said both talk Takopi was i think even a little bit more character focused than uh the ichinose family is but the ichinose family for me uh builds a really good solid base of the main character over the first four or five chapters and then introduces you and gets you in with a second family person and says, hey, here's good character development. And then the last three or four chapters have been plot twists and plot development. And then this most recent chapter, again, went back to characters and focused on the mom. Um, it's just really good at both plot and characters. Um, I don't even love the art all that much. Uh, it's, it's sometimes really messy and I had a lot of confusion with the the main guy and his friend, they like looked the same to me because it was only like two or three chapters in. But yeah, I mean, in the same in the same way that Takopi did, right? Takopi used kind of interesting plot, uh, you know, plot things. They aren't necessarily twists, but plot zigs and zags um, to take its characters in interesting directions and explore the characters more. I think what I really like about it so far is that 
you get character development and then you get a, something changes in the plot, something changes with the environment or with the family, and it always goes back to focusing on how that affects the characters. So I really mm-hmm. think, again, because it's a whole family and they've uh, we've gotten development on three, kind of four of them now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm... I guess all that to to cap it off at the end is to say I am both equally curious to see how the rest of the characters develop and where they end up and equally curious to see what happens with the plot, what happens with these twists we've seen, what is actually going on. Is this sci-fi? Is it you're right, is it Truman show? Is it Memento? Is it uh another space thing like Takopi's was? Uh, I it's just really balanced in those two elements of plot and character and yeah, it's just super compelling the whole way through. What about you? What do you what do you like about it the most? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You know, and it, when people say it's like a character based thing, like the characters are most important, kind of like how in The Last of Us or The Walking Dead, human characters took the priority over the zombies. It's like a human show with zombies in it. Is what they always what everyone says. Uh, here, like if you think about Takopi, Takopi's uh kind of just a walking plot device to explore. Or to explore these characters fully right, and their yeah. character growth. Uh, this It feels like the exact same, and that's great. It worked really well. Takopi killed it. Uh, this feels like a very similar situation where the mystery that exists, um, their family dynamics all works towards how they are now, how flawed they used to be in the past that they can't remember, and how they'll grow in the future. And that's the very most important part. Uh, I And so so it's like even more character focused than character other character focused shows right like so i think it's it's really good uh this author writes his characters really well um and it's just very strong so far of course this could collapse if the mystery or plot reveal is really lame but i i don't see that happening really yeah see i mean i think i don't know i it's a good point that you pointed out um this is kind of the way that sci-fi and fantasy for it appeals to me why those things appeal to me it isn't necessarily that magic is cool or spaceships are cool that is part of it that i do like um the kind of more important part of it is those fantasy and sci-fi elements apply stressors to the characters that put them in positions that allow them to develop in interesting ways and I think that's what both Takapi and the Genosi family have really um, embraced from those sort of sci-fi fantasy elements that they possess. Now, we don't know if the Genosi family has them, but I, I, it's looking to me like there's going to be some kind of at least mildly sci-fi element to this. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, again, a lot of the fantasy I like is like, is, you know, character focused, you know, character climaxes lining up with action climaxes. And Takapi did that very well. This is doing the same thing. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's uh, it's it's character-led, character-focused with an interesting and good plot that is challenging them in ways that feel uh, relatable and I can empathize with, even though I've never experienced, you know, amnesia with a family, you know, with my mother who's forgotten that her father cheated on her and moved out and like right that's i don't have any of those personal experiences but i've experienced you know uh revealing to someone a sad moment which is kind of what the mother went through and things like that and you know and taizan five the author does 
such a good job of choosing kind of relatable emotional beats with bullying and, you know, protecting your sister and these kinds of things. Like we can all relate to those in some way, even now that they're maybe based in a little bit of sci-fi or a little bit of, you know, fantasy. um, It all comes back to those characters. It all comes back to these sort of relatable, empathetic moments. Um, And those moments are executed really well. And it's just well-written. It's well-written shit. It's just really good. So... Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the bullying because I think this manga writes bullying very well, um, mainly because it has such an empathetic outlook onto human situations that cause, like, why a bully mm-hmm. is bullying you, uh, right. type of a thing. Um, and the circumstances in there, like, it discusses the cycle of the abuse in and how complex it is uh, through its writing in a in a very compelling and empathetic way and i yeah i i think no other not many other shonen manga or manga in general uh do that because usually the bully is kind of just the cannon fodder for the main character right, to yeah. Overcome, they're right? just yeah. yeah there isn't uh yeah i mean the bullying especially i think we talked about it back when uh late last year when it was chapter two or three chapters in but uh yeah i mean exceptionally well written so to recap you're looking at six series on your screen only one of them is worth is is worth your time to read and it's the ichinosi family's deadly sins if you want to try two things try ginkka and luna would be my suggestion um everything else will be canceled within six months maybe probably not even that long um i don't even think you should read ginkka and luna i liked it but i think there's like like shit go go read delicious and dungeon instead right right yeah go read delicious and dungeon or what's another good fantasy thing uh I mean, go read Mashal is probably a better yeah, Hogwarts. I was about to say, if you're if you're missing out on Harry Potter because of whatever reason, maybe try Gink and Luna. But no, if if you're a big Harry Potter fan and you're missing out on that, uh, read Mashal because it'll be funny, hilarious, and and kind of appeal to the school uh, school people magic. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's that's the show to recap. Any last thoughts, Gautam, on any of these six series? Uh, nope. I think we uh, we covered all of it pretty well. Cool. Well, let's wrap up the show with uh, with one more thing. Do you want to go first? Because I'm going to take a while on mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me go first because I got nothing. Um, I, I have my family in town. Uh, my I'm Indian. Uh, so my family, uh, most of my family lives in India. They they flew in some. Uh, I'm spending a lot of time with them. Uh, and it is effort, but uh, I love seeing them. They're only here for a bit. So yeah, I I, I lose all my weekends and leisure time activities for the next two weeks yeah that's uh, uh yeah what do you what, what do you got bruce oh man boy all right buckle up boys it's <laughs> i last week you will hear we talk about um the announcement of pluto uh the anime they released a four minute trailer by netflix and i said okay i'm gonna sit down and read this it's about 64 chapters i think uh and i read it this week and this is legitimately not just one of the best manga I've ever read. This is one of the best things I have ever read. Um, this mm. is this is Pluto by Naoki Urasawa and um, Tezuka, who Tezuka didn't really write it. They were dead at the time, but they are the creator of Astro Boy slash Tetsuan Adam. Um, this is a retelling of a single arc from Astro Boy. It is, and it's, boy, man, where do I even start? Uh, we talked previously about the idea of, 
every story about robots is a story about uh, what makes us human. And mm-hmm. that is absolutely what Pluto is about. Um, it especially deals with the idea that hatred is is uh, hatred and severe emotions severe negative emotions are a part of what makes us human and it it deals with that um i can't begin to rave about how good this series is um how long is it it is 64 chapters it took me i don't know maybe a total of six or seven hours to read maybe eight hours um uh you know what why don't we uh why don't i read it in my spare time and let's let's go into it before the netflix thing drops for sure we should do that we'll do that maybe on a on a bonus episode or yeah before the netflix drops we'll talk about it because yeah this is a the initial plot grab of it is the character you're looking at here's name is uh geist he is a german detective he is also a robot he is one of the seven named i think they're called the most perfect robots in the world or the best robots in the world um there's kind of seven perfect robots. There's uh, Germany has Geist. There's one in Scotland, one in Turkey, one in Australia, one in uh, Greece, I think. And then there's one more. And then there's Tetsuan Adam, Astro Boy in Japan. Um, and this deals with a uh, antagonistic force who is beginning to pick those robots off one by one. And it deals man it's it's set against a backdrop of a uh a war that all seven of these robots participated in three or four years prior in persia this is set in the year like 3600 or something right like the far 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 future um Mm -hmm. a war in persia that i think four or five of them were essentially like they were sent to war against the persian robots so robots in the series have the Asimov, a robot cannot hurt a human, but they can fight against other robots. So, uh, but it also deals with, well, the robots again are basically human because that's the way it works, you know, in, like you mentioned, near, uh, near and all the other stuff, right? The Blade Runner. Yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah. This is, this is very kind of close to Blade Runner type stuff. Um, but yeah, it deals with the fallout of some of those robots being forced to kill thousands hundreds of thousands of their kind in this war um tetsuan adam is like a kind of poster boy for the recovery of it afterwards that's kind of his angle in it one of the robots is uh anti-violence and did not participate and that's part of it um and essentially it's it has so many interesting things going on in it that it's it's hard to even know where to start the the guy storyline is very kind of neo-noir it's it's a mystery of who's doing this he's doing these killings he's investigating um the death of the robots and the death of the robots creators at the same time and the i was death... gonna say he looks like a detective right he like, is very much yeah i mean he's the he's like the super detective um is he the first geist because it says zero zero one for that is no zero zero one is the volume this is i think the cover of volume oh. one in english but got it, got um, it. Yeah. yeah but i mean it's and they so they're like i said the robots have the sort of asimov rule one or rule three or whatever it is you know a robot can't harm a human no matter what but there's one instance of a robot that killed a bunch of humans like eight or nine 
Um, and Geist has conversations with that robot, and all of those parts are very Silence of the Lambs. That robot is like mm. pierced through the chest with a giant spear, and so it can it can't move fully. It's kind of falling apart, but it's kept alive for like research purposes, right? Geist goes and has lots of conversations with him. It's very Silence of the Lambs. It's very you know he's like, oh, give me your memory chip. Let me see your memories. Trade me your memory chip so I can see what you felt. Uh, that's a very cool angle in it there's this kind of anti-war angle to it slash uh all the stuff with robots and humanity all the stuff of dealing with what makes you human what makes the robots quote-unquote more human um it's just literally one of the best versions of those that i've ever seen this is this is better than blade runner in my opinion i mean blade runner is a great movie um blade runner is mid as fuck it's boring (laughs) and long where was this and everything that came after it yeah, I should have used that because every yeah. every every everything else that did that same topic. I know Blade Runner inspired it. Uh, after well, I'm, Blade Runner is pretty uh, far along in the robot. Dream of Electric Sheep, whatever yeah. Android Dream. Uh, but yeah, either way, Blade Runner is boring and long, and everything else does it better. Um, I haven't seen the sequel though. The anyway, sequel is on. the sequel is good. You might like the sequel more. I think they're both very good movies. Um, this is better than both of those movies. This I'm. This is better. I mean, you said Nier Automata is one of the best versions of kind of a what makes us uh, yeah, using robots it, uh, to look at what makes us human. Um, this is better than that, in my opinion, by a lot. And I, I think Nier is a very good version of telling that story, although I think mm-hmm. it is a little uh, a little kind of wordy, a little up its own, a little up its own butt at times. Uh, I think the uh, creators just kind that. of like that. I thought it was, it was pretty like, I thought it was the opposite of that personally but i I can't uh, we won't get into the near topic yet but uh but again i mean this is if you've heard of monster it's monsters regarded as one of if not the best written animes of all time this is the same author Mm -hmm. i i read maybe a fifth or a fourth of monster Uh, monsters a lot longer it's like 180 chapters or something um so i was going slower through that this was easy breezy read this is very very i just can't stress how well written well presented how visually interesting how cool and impactful i cried at one point reading this there are chapters here that will make you cry they are so emotionally devastating and impactful this i mean this is one of the greatest things like i have ever read i'm not the most well-read person in the world i have read a good chunk of books i've read a lot of comic books i've read a lot of manga this is one of the best things i've ever read and i will i say that unabashedly it's amazing and i hope the anime does it justice because it's i again it's just legitimately one of the best things i've ever read pluto by urasawa it's Uh, it's incredible final question for you on pluto um why would they make a robot with that hairline if you can choose yes. how a robot looks, why would you make one have a receding hairline? <laughs> I, don't, I More, don't know. Moreover, why did they make Astro Boy a diaper baby? Like, why? Did okay, they so <laughs> do that. You will, you will be happy to know that Astro Boy is not a diaper baby in in the uh, actual manga. Let me find. There's a picture comparing what the original, uh, what the original stuff looked like, and based on the new stuff. So if you can see this. Oh, he isn't a diaper baby. He looks yeah. like a kid. He looks like he's a normal kid, right? So the, and this is, I think, true in the original Astro Boy also. The original doctor who created him's son died and he was trying to essentially recreate his son in robot form. And so that's why Astro Boy is like 
a boy. Oh, yeah, um, I see. Yeah, but this is all their characters from their 1960 Astro Boy version and then their kind of modern version. And you'll see that a lot of the robots uh, used to look very goofy and kind of cartoony, and they're mostly updated into more realistic versions. Um, even these, the three on the right, uh, they actually have humanoid versions of the two big gladiator guys. Uh, so you don't see God. them in this form very often. They're all just basically humans. Although the the six-armed dude and the helmet guy in the middle, those are both kind of just robots that look like that. Um, but yeah, he's Astro Boy is not a diaper baby in this. He's, he, looks like, <laughs> he looks like a normal boy, but he also um, reads much more mature than... Um, he's essentially not... Just looks like a boy. He's not actually a boy. But right, this seems like a, a like a darker, more dramatic thing. Whereas Astro Boy looks like a Saturday morning cartoon, and that's also right. Like, right. like yeah, I, it's just different. Things. I thought at one point that maybe I should go and read the original arc. Here's like 200 pages or so. Um, I may go back and read that arc just to see how much work uh, Urasawa did to update this. I'm gonna guess before I even read it that it's a lot of work, right? Because he made you know 100, and, I think it's like 180 pages into 60 four chapters so you know 1200 pages something like that so but yeah i can't i mean again i cannot i cannot preach from a high enough mountain with a loud enough voice how good pluto is it's i mean it just really is the i think the best version of the robot story addressing humanity um it takes a very specific angle to it maybe that just resonated with me in in a certain mm -hmm. way but yeah it's it sounds completely it's, it's up my alley. Good. I I think yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, and I my prediction for when the anime hits later this year from Netflix is if they adapt the whole story in one go, which I think they can do in twenty four twenty five episodes. Um, this is going to be easy easy on people's uh on people's anime of the year list, and it's going to be like the the thing to beat right. Um, mm -hmm. and it's it it's ending is amazing is really good uh which is something that i think a lot of manga misstep on right i mean i would put attack on titan as one of the best manga i've ever read uh but its ending has a couple of issues this is better than attack on titan like this it's just it isn't necessarily that that's like oh this is so much better and attack on titan is so much worse but it's just like pluto is just that good it just it's so good and it is it isn't just the writing it is visually very interesting there, I'm gonna hopefully plan to make a video about the way that Urasawa uh, sets the scene and introduces and goes in and out of scenes in a visually interesting way, and how it makes the story make sense. Especially because this is a kind of cross-country trek, right? The, these characters are continually going from Dusseldorf to Norway to Turkey to Japan to Australia uh, in you know a single change of scenes and. Urasawa does some things in the paneling that make it very easy and very good to track. Um, I There's, you know, elements of dealing with racism and uh, not exceptionalism. What's the... I mean, a lot of people just hate robots, right? There's a mm -hmm. whole arc where there's a group, I think they're called the KR or the KA or something, is essentially the, the KKK against robots, right? And it's it's like you would think like, oh, that sounds kind of you know, kitschy, whatever. But, like, it works an incredible way. There's there's elements of, like, uh, 
American history. There's essentially a miniature American history X plot dropped into the middle of Pluto. Also, in addition to the, in addition to the silence of the lambs and the blade runner parts. I mean, it just, I, I don't know. It's, it's so hard for me to just cycle of of violence shit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cycle of violence stuff. And it does. Yeah. And without spoiling the ending, it does all that and comes to conclusions that are, satisfying and still positive in a way that is refreshing that it isn't uh with how kind of down and sad and violent and about war and post-war events it can be it still manages to come to a sort of bright outlook at the end not fully bright but i don't know i it's just again i just can't say it it's just one of the best things i've ever read it's really exceptional um Got it. I would yeah, I would highly suggest it to anybody who's looking to read something um read something that's really adult and really mature and not mature in the kind of uh you know nineteen ninety spawn mature. It's mature in the way that Silence of the Lambs and American History X and those kinds of things are, right? Where you're dealing with uh, you know, in drastic human emotions and killing intents and hatred and it really focuses on all those things and it deals with the yeah i mean yeah it's there's just so many little things going on that it's hard to say it's dealing with this and it's dealing with this because it i mean it just deals with human existence and what it means to be human and that kind of encompasses all things and it, it comes at it from so many different angles and comes to conclusions that are i mean that were seemed so right because they were told so well, I guess. Mm. And we've heard your complaints. There are no diaper babies in this one. There are no diaper babies. No, there are robot babies and robot children and regular children. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it sounds good. Just read it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would love to come back and talk about it in, in more of a spoiler stream or a, a spoiler cast for this because yeah, it's one of, Again, it's one of the greatest things I've ever read. It's really, truly exceptional. This has driven me. I'm going to go back and pick Monster back up because um, I know Monster is... Well, Monster has an anime, which I think is why it's more talked about uh, and most of the other stuff by Urasawa doesn't. So I do think, like I said, uh, once this anime adaptation comes out, if Netflix adapts the whole story in 25 or 30 episodes, or maybe, you know, you could do it in maybe six or seven hour long episodes, uh this is going to be on the lips of everybody for anime of the year. And it's going to be another one of those. It's going to be like arcane and, um, cyberpunk edge runners where this is going to hit more than just the anime community. I think it's that good. I think you could hand this to someone who's just got done reading. I don't know, uh, war and peace or whatever and say, okay, now try this. Or, you know, some sci-fi, if they just got done reading everything by Isaac Asimov and you handed them Pluto, I think they would be, they would, come out of it a happy reader and they would say what a great way to deal with all of the same things that asimov was dealing with all the same things that uh you know all of these sci-fi robot stories have been dealing with for years so yeah again there's no mountain and no voice loud enough for me to preach that pluto is amazing and you should absolutely find a way to read it because it is just that good yeah, sounds. This should have been your discussion topic because uh, I thought. Well, I thought about I, it, and then I was, I was like, "Well, yeah. I want to talk about the 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 podcast is about currently 
published manga. So this is my one more thing. I did set aside that you can do whatever you want. That's true. It is my podcast. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I I knew I would set aside a big time at the end to say, um, no, no, that was, that was a good recommendation. You, uh, you, you gushed about it for like 10 minutes and it sounds really interesting to me. Uh, I I think this is so up my alley from what you've just, yeah, it's so good. I just like, I mean, it legitimately made me cry. I don't, you know, media has made me cry before. I've seen movies and TV shows that have gotten to me. Um, I don't know if I've ever cried in a manga before. This might be the first time. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I, I cry all the time. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm not, I don't cry all the time, but like very often movies and TV shows and stuff will, will connect with me emotionally in that way. Um, usually manga doesn't because it's kind of self-paced. And if I get to that point, I can kind of like, I can rush past it or I can take my time and calm myself but this was like uncontrollably like i could not not you know i couldn't hold myself back from crying it's just that good and that was only like that's like 45 chapters in there's still like 15 more chapters after that so oh yeah nice yeah well sweet pluto by urasawa and uh tezuka so give that a check out anything else you want to you want to cap the show off at the end here nah let's blow this joint yeah let's get out of here uh, thanks for listening or watching. Don't forget to check us out online if you enjoyed the show. Uh, giving us more eyes and ears is a great way to support us, but if you want to support the channel more directly, don't forget about the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash WGBmanga, where you will be able to hear more from us. Uh, there is a almost three-hour discussion about how Gautam and I got into manga and anime, and we're going to do another one before the end of the week on movies or TV. Or maybe if you get through Pluto, we'll talk about Pluto for a couple of hours. Um... But yeah, check me out on Twitter at WGB Manga. And as always, thank you so much for being with us. Goodbye. Thanks. And don't forget to read more manga.